O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Tuesday, June 29th. It is prophesied in the book of Amos that in the last days there will be a famine in the land, not a famine for food, but a famine for the word of God, as it is written in Amos 8, 11, and 12. Behold, the days come, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. Even in the days of Joseph, there were seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. He had stored up grain for the seven years of famine. The Daily Audio Torah is your storehouse where you can get grain. It is 20 minutes every day of pure scripture flowing out, living manna, to feed your spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Bread Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion Pinchas. Numbers 26, 33-65 One of Heifer's descendants, Zalafahad, had no sons, but his daughter's names were Mala, Noah, Hagla, Milka, and Terza. These were the clans of Manasseh. Their registered troops numbered 52,700. The tribe of Ephraim. These were the clans descended from the sons of Ephraim. The Shulahite clan, named after their ancestor Shulthila. The Becherite clan, named after their ancestor Becher. The Tahanite clan, named after their ancestor Tahan. This was the subclan descended from the Shulathites. The Aaronites, named after their ancestor Aaron. These were the clans of Ephraim. Their registered troops numbered 32,500. These clans of Manasseh and Ephraim were all descendants of Joseph. The tribe of Benjamin. These were the clans descended from the sons of Benjamin. The Beliite clan, named after their ancestor Bela. The Ashbelite clan, named after their ancestor Ashbel. The Aramite clan, named after their ancestor Ahiram. 
the Shufamite clan named after their ancestor Shufam. The Hufamite clan named after their ancestor Hufam. These were the subclans descended from the Belaites. The Ardites named after their ancestor Ard. The Namites named after their ancestor Naaman. These were the clans of Benjamin. Their registered troops numbered 45,600. The tribe of Dan. These were the clans descended from the sons of Dan, the Shuhamite clan named after their ancestor Shuham. These were the Shuhamite clans of Dan. Their registered troops numbered 64,400. The tribe of Asher. These were the clans descended from the sons of Asher, the Imnite clan named after their ancestor Imna, the Ishvite clan named after their ancestor Ishvi, the Barite clan named after their ancestor Beriah. These were the subclans descended from the Barites, the Heberites named after their ancestor Heber, the Malkiites named after their ancestor Malkiel. Asher also had a daughter named Sarah. These were the clans of Asher. Their registered troops numbered 53,400. The tribe of Naphtali. These were the clans descended from the sons of Naphtali. The Jazilite clan, named after their ancestor Jazil. The Gunite clan, named after their ancestor Gunai. The Jezerite clan, named after their ancestor Jezer. The Shilamite clan, named after their ancestor Shilam. These were the clans of Naphtali. Their registered troops numbered 45,400. Results of the Registration In summary, the registered troops of all Israel numbered 601,730. Then the Lord said to Moses, Divide the land among the tribes and distribute the grants of land in proportion to the tribes' populations, as indicated by the number of names on the list. Give the larger tribes more land, and the smaller tribes less land, each group receiving a grant in proportion to the size of its population. But you must assign the land by lot, and give land to each ancestral tribe according to the number of names on the list. Each grant of land must be assigned by lot among the larger and smaller tribal groups. The Tribe of Levi This is the record of the Levites who were counted according to their clans. The Gershonite clan, named after their ancestor Gershon. The Kohathite clan, named after their ancestor Kohath. The Merarite clan, named after their ancestor Merari. The Libnites, the Hebronites, the Malites, the Mushites, and the Korahites were all subclans of the Levites. Now Kohath was the ancestor of Amram, and Amram's wife was named Jochebed. She also was a descendant of Levi, born among the Levites in the land of Egypt. Amram and Jochebed became the parents of Aaron, Moses, and their sister Miriam. To Aaron were born Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. But Nadab and Abihu died when they burned before the Lord the wrong kind of fire, different than he had commanded. The men from the Levite clans who were one month old or older numbered 23,000. 
but the Levites were not included in the registration of the rest of the people of Israel, because they were not given an allotment of land when it was divided among the Israelites. So these are the results of the registration of the people of Israel, as conducted by Moses and Eleazar the priest on the plains of Moab, beside the Jordan River, across from Jericho. Not one person on this list had been among those listed in the previous registration taken by Moses and Aaron in the wilderness of Sinai. For the Lord had said of them, They will all die in the wilderness. Not one of them survived, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. Second Kings fifteen one to sixteen twenty. Uzziah son of Amaziah began to rule over Judah in the twenty seventh year of the reign of King Jeroboam the second of Israel. He was sixteen years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem fifty two years. His mother was Jechaliah from Jerusalem. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight just as his father Amaziah had done. But he did not destroy the pagan shrines, and the people still offered sacrifices and burned incense there. The Lord struck the king with leprosy, which lasted until the day he died. He lived in isolation in a separate house. The king's son, Jotham, was put in charge of the royal palace, and he governed the people of the land. The rest of the events in Uzziah's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. When Uzziah died, he was buried with his ancestors in the city of David, and his son Jotham became the next king. Zechariah, son of Jeroboam II, began to rule over Israel in the 38th year of King Uzziah's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria six months. Zechariah did what was evil in the Lord's sight, as his ancestors had done. He refused to turn from the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had led Israel to commit. Then Shalom, son of Jabesh, conspired against Zechariah, assassinated him in public, and became the next king. The rest of the events in Zechariah's reign are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. So the Lord's message to Jehu came true. Your descendants will be kings of Israel down to the fourth generation. Shalom, son of Jabesh, began to rule over Israel in the 39th year of King Uzziah's reign in Judah. Shalom reigned in Samaria only one month. Then Menahem, son of Gadi, went to Samaria from Tirzah, and assassinated him, and he became the next king. The rest of the events in Shalom's reign, including his conspiracy, are recorded in the, his- in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. At that time, Menahem destroyed the town of Tapua and all the surrounding countryside as far as Terzah, because its citizens refused to surrender the town. He killed the entire population and ripped open the pregnant women. Menahem, son of Gadi, began to rule over Israel in the thirty-ninth year of King Uzziah's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria 
ten years. But Menahem did what was evil in the Lord's sight. During his entire reign he refused to turn from the sins that Jeroboam son of Nebat had led Israel to commit. Then King Tiglath-Pileser of Assyria invaded the land, but Menahem paid him thirty-seven tons of silver to gain his support, in tightening his grip on royal power. Menahem extorted the money from the rich of Israel, demanding that each of them pay fifty pieces of silver to the king of Assyria. So the king of Assyria turned from attacking Israel and did not stay in the land. The rest of the events in Menahem's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. When Menahem died, his son Pekiah became the next king. Pekahiah, son of Menahem, began to rule over Israel in the fiftieth year of King Uzziah's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria two years. But Pekahiah did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to turn from the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had led Israel to commit. Then Pekah, son of Remaliah, the commander of Pekahiah's army, conspired against him. With fifty men from Gilead, Pekah assassinated the king, along with Argob and Aria in the citadel of the palace at Samaria, and Pekah reigned in his place. The rest of the events in Pekahiah's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. Pekah, son of Remaliah, began to rule over Israel in the fifty-second year of King Uzziah's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria twenty years. But Pekah did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to turn from the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had led Israel to commit. During Pekah's reign, King Tiglath-Pileser of Assyria attacked Israel again, and he captured the towns of Ijon, Abel, Beth, Makkah, Janoa, Kedesh, and Hazor. He also conquered the regions of Gilead, Galilee, and all of Naphtali, and he took the people to Assyria as captives. Then Hosea, son of Elah, conspired against Pekah and assassinated him. He began to rule over Israel in the twentieth year of Jotham, son of Uzziah. The rest of the events in Pekah's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. Jotham, son of Uzziah, began to rule over Judah in the second year of King Pekah's reign in Israel. He was twenty-five years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem sixteen years. His mother was Jerusha, the daughter of Zadok. Jotham did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. He did everything his father Uzziah had done, but he did not destroy the pagan shrines, and the people still offered sacrifices and burned incense there. He rebuilt the upper gate of the temple of the Lord. The rest of the events in Jotham's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. In those days the Lord began to send King Rezin of Aram and King Pekah of Israel to attack Judah. 
When Jotham died, he was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. And his son Ahaz became the next king. Ahaz, son of Jotham, began to rule over Judah in the seventeenth year of King Pekah's reign in Israel. Ahaz was twenty years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem sixteen years. He did not do what was pleasing in the sight of the Lord his God, as his ancestor David had done. Instead, he followed the example of the kings of Israel, even sacrificing his own son in the fire. In this way, he followed the detestable practices of the pagan nations the Lord had driven from the land ahead of the Israelites. He offered sacrifices and burned incense at the pagan shrines and on the hills and under every green tree. Then King Rezin of Aram and King Pekah of Israel came up to attack Jerusalem. They besieged Ahaz but could not conquer him. At that time the king of Edom recovered the town of Elith for Edom. He drove out the people of Judah and sent Edomites to live there, as they do to this day. King Ahaz sent messengers to King Tiglath-Pileser of Assyria with this message, I am your servant and your vassal. Come up and rescue me from attacking armies of Aram and Israel. Then Ahaz took the silver and gold from the temple of the Lord and the palace treasury and sent it as a payment to the Assyrian king. So the king of Assyria attacked the Aramean capital of Damascus and led its population away as captives, resettling them in Kerr. He also killed King Rezin. King Ahaz then went to Damascus to meet with King Tiglath-Pileser of Assyria. While he was there, he took special note of the altar. Then he sent a model of the altar to Uriah the priest, along with its design in full detail. Uriah followed the king's instructions and built an altar just like it, and it was ready before the king returned from Damascus. When the king returned, he inspected the altar and made offerings on it. He presented a burnt offering and a grain offering. He poured out a liquid libation offering, and he sprinkled the blood of peace offerings on the altar. Then King Ahaz removed the old bronze altar from its place in front of the Lord's temple, between the entrance and the new altar, and placed it on the north side of the altar. He told Uriah the priest, Use the new altar for the morning sacrifices of burnt offering, the evening grain offering, the king's burnt offering and grain offering, and the burnt offerings of all the people, as well as their grain offerings and liquid offerings. Sprinkle the blood from all the burnt offerings and sacrifices on the new altar. The bronze altar will be for my personal use only. Uriah the priest did just as King Ahaz commanded him. Then the king removed the side panels and basins from the portable water carts. He also removed the great bronze basin called the sea from the backs of the bronze oxen and placed it on the stone pavement. In deference to the king of Assyria, he also removed the canopy that had been constructed inside the palace for use on the Sabbath day, as well as the king's outer entrance to the temple of the Lord.
The rest of the events in Ahaz's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. When Ahaz died, he was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. Then his son Hezekiah became the next king. Acts 19, 13-41 A group of Jews were traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of Yeshua in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Yeshua, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Yeshua, and I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house, naked and battered. The story of what happened spread quickly all through Ephesus to Jews and Greeks alike. A solemn fear descended on the city, and the name of the Lord Yeshua was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. The value of the books was several million dollars. So the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. Afterward, Paul felt compelled by the Spirit to go over to Macedonia and Achaia before going to Jerusalem. And after that, he said, I must go on to Rome. He sent his two assistants, Timothy and Erastus, ahead to Macedonia, while he stayed a while longer in the province of Asia. About that time, serious trouble developed in Ephesus concerning the way. It began with Demetrius, a silversmith who had a large business manufacturing silver shrines of the Greek goddess Artemis. He kept many craftsmen busy. He called them together, along with others employed in similar trades, and addressed them as follows. Gentlemen, you know that our wealth comes from this business. But as you have seen and heard, this man Paul has persuaded many people that handmade gods aren't really gods at all, and he's done this not only here in Ephesus, but throughout the entire province. Of course, I'm not just talking about the loss of public respect for our business. I'm also concerned that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will lose its influence, and that Artemis, this magnificent goddess worshipped throughout the province of Asia and all around the world, will be robbed of her great prestige. At this their anger boiled, and they began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! Soon the whole city was filled with confusion. Everyone rushed to the amphitheater, dragging along Gaius and Aristarchus, who were Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia. Paul wanted to go in too, but the believers wouldn't let him. Some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, also sent a message to him, begging him not to risk his life by entering the amphitheater. Inside, the people were all shouting, some one thing and some another. Everything was in confusion. In fact, most of them didn't even know why they were there. 
The Jews in the crowd pushed Alexander forward and told him to explain the situation. He motioned for silence and tried to speak. But when the crowd realized he was a Jew, they started shouting again and kept it up for about two hours. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! At last the mayor was able to quiet them down enough to speak. Citizens of Ephesus, he said, everyone knows that Ephesus is the official guardian of the temple of the great Artemis, whose image fell down to us from heaven. Since this is an undeniable fact, you should stay calm and not do anything rash. You have brought these men here, and they have stolen nothing from the temple and have not spoken against our goddess. If Demetrius and the craftsmen have a case against them, the courts are in session, and the officials can hear the case at once. Let them make formal charges, and if there are complaints about other matters, they can be settled in a legal assembly. I am afraid we are in danger of being charged with rioting by the Roman government, since there is no cause for all this commotion, and if Rome demands an explanation, we won't know what to say. Then he dismissed them, and they dispersed. Psalm 147, 1-20 How good to sing praises to our God! How delightful and how fitting! The Lord is rebuilding Jerusalem and bringing the exiles back to Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. He counts the stars and calls them all by name. How great is our Lord! His power is absolute. His understanding is beyond comprehension. The Lord supports the humble, but He brings the wicked down into the dust. Sing out your thanks to the Lord and sing praises to our God with a harp. He covers the heavens with clouds and provides rain for the earth and makes the grass grow in mountain pastures. He gives food to the wild animals and feeds the young ravens when they cry. He takes no pleasure in the strength of a horse or in human might. No, the Lord's delight is in those who fear Him, those who put their hope in His unfailing love. Glorify the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. For He has strengthened the bars of your gates and blessed your children within your walls. He sends peace across your nation and satisfies your hunger with the finest wheat. He sends His orders to the world. How swiftly His word flies! He sends the snow like white wool. He scatters frost upon the ground like ashes. He hurls the hail like stones. Who can stand against His freezing cold? Then, at His command, it all melts. He sends his winds and the ice thaws. He has revealed his words to Jacob, his decrees and regulations to Israel. He has not done this for any other nation. They do not know his regulations. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 18.4-5 Wise words are like deep waters. Wisdom flows from the wise like a bubbling brook. It is not right to acquit the guilty or deny justice to the innocent. 
I want to speak to you from our reading from 2 Kings chapter 15. The power of one king to lead a nation down the path of evil and idolatry. Think of a set of dominoes. And each domino represents a king or a generation. And the first domino falls. And then it tips over the next one and the next one and the next one. And all the dominoes begin to fall. That very first domino was King Jeroboam. We see these dominoes falling, so to speak, in 2 Kings 15. How so? Let's look at 2 Kings 15, verse 9. Zechariah did what was evil in Yahweh's sight. As his ancestors had done, he refused to turn from the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had led Israel to commit. What were those sins that Jeroboam did, leading the nation down that path? It was golden calf worship. He set up an alternate altar up in the northern part of Dan and also at Bethel, so they wouldn't need to go to Jerusalem. He changed the calendar and moved the feast days off by 30 days or more. And they worshipped the golden calf instead of Yahweh, the king of Israel, the, the god of Israel. So let's look at the next domino, Second Kings chapter 15, verse 18. But Menahem did what was evil in the Lord's sight. During his entire reign, he refused to turn from the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had led Israel to commit. What was the root of that sin? Out-and-out rebellion. Jeroboam is the king that led the rebellion of the ten tribes of the north to split away from the two tribes of the south, to split away from the house of Judah. And in rebellion, he did not want them to travel to Jerusalem three times a year to celebrate or to keep Passover, Shavuot, or Sukkot. So he set up an alternate place of worship in the north and changed everything and had them worship the golden calf. It goes all the way back to the golden calf incident in the wilderness that while Moses was receiving the Ten Commandments, the people down below erected the golden calf and began to worship it as God. Continuing on, the next domino, 2 Kings 15, verse 24. But Pekahiah did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to turn from the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had led Israel to commit. Another domino falls. And finally, let's look at 2 Kings 15, verse 28. But Pekah did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to turn from the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had led Israel to commit. And so the dominoes fall. Now let's talk about families. I don't know what kind of a family line you come from. I know that there are some family lines that have been godly for many generations. The grandpa was a pastor. 
The father was a pastor. The son became a pastor. The daughter was a choir leader. The wife was a missionary. You know, there can be many generations of godliness, but there can also be many generations of evil, generational patterns of sin, drug addiction, prostitution, Freemasonry, political corruption. And so if you happen to be someone who came from a family line that was not godly and there was a lot of sin and generational sin patterns, and so you've come to Christ, you've come to the Lord, and you're drawing that line in the sand with his blood to break those generational patterns, it's a little bit like this dominoes. It's difficult. It's hard to break that pattern. You can break away and come to the cross and be filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to seek after God. But it takes a lot of perseverance and hoopsva, if you will, to step out of that pattern that's been in the family generational line for generations. And a lot of prayer, a lot of intercession, a lot of intention and purpose. And then we need to pray for our children and their children. Because just because one generation has turned to God, um, the very next generation, the children, can get caught up with the tractor beam pull of the world or the grandchildren. I've seen it. Godly married couples that are serving God with all their heart, but then the children fall into the tractor beam of the world. So it can be done, but a lot of intercession, a lot of prayer, a lot of intention and purpose to break the cycle, to stop the dominoes from falling. Now I want to jump into Psalm 147 and look at verses 1 and 2. How good to sing praises to our God, how delightful and how fitting. The Lord is rebuilding Jerusalem and bringing the exiles back to Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. So we saw in first or second Kings chapter 16 that the king of Assyria came along and he captured the residents in the northern kingdom and took them off into exile. That's Second Kings chapter 15, verse 29. During Pekah's reign, King Tiglath-Pileser of Assyria attacked Israel, that is the northern kingdom, again, and he captured the towns of Ijon, Abel, Beth, Mekah, Genoa, Kedesh, and Hazor. He also conquered the regions of Gilead, Galilee, and all of Naphtali, and he took the people to Assyria as captives. So here in Psalm 147, he's, the psalmist is saying, the Lord is rebuilding Jerusalem and bringing the exiles back to Israel. And that's a miracle, because basically when the southern kingdom went off into captivity and exile to Babylon and the northern kingdom were taken as captives and were exiled to Assyria, the nation disintegrated. 
Later on in 70 AD, when the Romans conquered Jerusalem and destroyed the temple, the Jews were told to leave Jerusalem and not to return on pain of death. And so both northern kingdom and southern kingdom were scattered to all the nations. The northern kingdom, they basically went into spiritual amnesia. They forgot who they were. They forgot God's name. They forgot the book, the Torah. And they were assimilated, not just into Assyria, but then further on down through the generations, they were assimilated into all the nations throughout the earth. They forgot who they were. And so this verse in Psalms, the Lord is rebuilding Jerusalem and bringing the exiles back to Israel. This is nothing short of a miracle. Think of a beautiful glass vase. Maybe it's a Ming Chinese vase and it's worth millions of dollars. And somebody comes along and knocks it over from the table and it falls to the floor and is shattered into all kinds of shards. It's destroyed. That vase can represent the nation of Israel. But in God ingathering his exiles and returning them back to the land, that would be like hitting the rewind button of what happened to that vase. And now it's in reverse. And all the shards are coming back together and the vase is back up on the table whole. So the southern kingdom, the house of Judah, in large part has returned to Israel. The exiles, the Jewish people, have been ingathered from many nations all over the earth, from America, from Europe, from Africa and Asia, and they have returned. As of May of 1948, the nation of Israel was reborn. So the southern kingdom is being reconstituted into the land of Israel. But the northern kingdom, the ten tribes of the north, are still scattered to all the nations of the earth. They are the non-Jewish part of the nation of Israel. So that part of the ingathering has not yet occurred. But it will. It will happen in time. Verse 3 from Psalm 147. He heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. Father, I thank you that you bandage the wounds of the brokenhearted. I thank you that you visit your people and you see where each one of us is. You see each one's circumstance. You see hidden, quiet tears. You see where we are broken. And when we cry out to you, I thank you, Abba, that you are right there to heal the brokenhearted. I thank you for the great hope that there is a day coming that you are going to ingather the rest of the exiles who are still scattered to all places in the earth and bring your people home to Israel. I thank you for Israel, that great land and great nation, and for the Jewish people who now reside there, and for the nation-building that is occurring there, for the rebuilding and restoration of the land, for all the little cottage industries, for the families, for the communities, for the love of Torah. Father, bless Israel this day, and make room 
and prepare the hearts of the people for the grandest family reunion of the millennium that will soon be coming. Make room for the rest of the exiles of Israel who are still scattered throughout all the nations, who are returning as a remnant unto you and to your Torah. We love you, we bless you, and we praise you. In Yeshua's name, Amen. Adonai Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. <laughs> 